Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you given much thought to how much bad information you have received about Jesus? Most people have so much wrong information. They are not always sure how to react or what to do when they get the correct information. This was the problem the Roman governor Pontius Pilate faced when he had to decide to let Jesus go or crucify him. This is a situation we'll all face when we encounter the true Jesus we meet in the Gospels. So let's join Jesus in the Gospel of Luke chapter 23 while he is on trial Good Friday morning. Here's Pastor Jim for the conclusion of his message, Jesus the Perfect King. Verse 4. Now when Herod saw Jesus, so they brought Jesus to Herod, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he, this would be Herod, questioned him, Jesus, with many words, but he, Jesus, answered him, nothing, nothing. Oh, oh, but but look who's there. They're not letting Jesus out of their sight. Verse 10, and the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, a king's robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other. They used to hate each other. Now Jesus brings them together. This is one of the many sons of the King Herod. This is there's many Herods. This is King Herod Antipas, the disgusting, spineless sleazeball. Can you tell I don't like him? The disgusting, spineless sleazeball who beheaded John the Baptist. See, the religious leaders thought they were smart, which proves Pilate's no dummy. They thought by telling Pilate that Jesus was from Galilee, that Pilate would think, oh, he's riffraff, let's kill him. They thought that would expedite the case, but it's actually delayed the case while he sends Jesus to Herod. And again, King Herod, a fake Jew from Galilee, meets him. Now, it's hard to tell. Is is Pilate dumping the problem in Herod's lap because originally he didn't like him? Or is he actually looking for some advice and some maybe somebody to come alongside him? And we're told that Herod was excited to see and meet Jesus. Why? Well, verse 8 tells us that he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Perhaps Herod thought this. Oh, this is great. He'll put on a show for me to save his life. But that's because Herod is more pagan than he is Jewish. But Herod gets no miracles. And in fact, he doesn't even get a word from Jesus. He gets nothing from him. But... No miracles and not a word from Jesus is enough for Herod to make his decision about Jesus. What's Herod's unofficial decision? Mockery. They mock Jesus. And you can can make the case 
that in parts of the Gospels, that's a bigger topic than Jesus' suffering, the mocking that he undergoes. Uh, Herod also demonstrates for us an incredibly important principle of the Christian life. And friend, please don't miss this, that if you or I try to be with Jesus for any other reason besides knowing him, loving him, and serving him, you will end up disappointed. If it's all about you in trying to be with Jesus, God loves you too much to let that go down. Now, you, you, if, if you're not there to, to know him, to love him, and to serve him, you will end up disappointed. I mean, let me give you an example. Did you ever notice the bad theology of the people who only look for signs? I mean, the theology is just, it's just awful. If you have a friend who knows nothing about the scriptures and think they know something about Jesus and always talk about, oh, signs, and I had this and that, don't listen to them. Give us a call, we'll help you. That's because if you're only looking for a sign, if you're only looking for what you can get from Jesus, you're going to be so busy looking and talking and thinking about what you want, you're not going to be able to hear from Jesus. And that's why such people so easily believe the lies of the false teachers which we see throughout the teaching of the apostles in the New Testament. They're constantly battling the false teachers. To want Jesus just for health and wealth, for miracles, for special privileges, is not to deny Jesus for who he truly is. Now, some of you might say, Pastor Jim, you're being a little mean here right now. You're being a little mean. Okay, Okay, okay. But I got to tell you, I stole the thinking. I stole it from Jesus. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus says in Luke, Luke eleven twenty nine. 29. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. Ouch. This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign. And no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. What was the sign of Jonah the prophet? He was in the, in the belly of the large fish for three days, thought to be dead, and he came out alive. Jesus says, you want a sign? That's the sign I'm going to give you. The cross and the resurrection. That's the sign. And if you want what you can get from me, if that's all you want from me, that's what a lot of people came to Jesus for. That's why a lot of people left him. He says, you're an evil generation. You're an evil bunch of people. Jesus saying that stuff, not me. Now, verse 13 brings us to what many call the third trial. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people. So he's back from Herod. Everybody is there. Verse 14 said to them, you have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him, very important phrase. That's what, the, that's what the religious leaders had to do with the animals that came in for sacrifice. They had to examine them, see that they were without defect. 
And indeed, having examined him in your presence, you saw me examine him. You were here. Once again, he makes a startling claim. I have found no fault in this man concerning those things which you accuse him. In other words, there's there's no basis for your charges. And then he says, verse 15, no, neither did Herod. For I sent you back to him and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. So two guys size up Jesus and two verdicts of innocent from two unbelieving men who flat out say there's no fault in this man. There is no reason at all why Jesus should die. Now notice something very important. It says Pilate examined him. Yet how many people do you know? And it might be you. It was me. How many people do you know pass judgment on Jesus without examining him? They listen to, a lot of people are listening to the well I think crowd. Well, I think, well, I think, well, I think, instead of people who can tell you what the scripture teaches, what the Bible teaches, what Jesus and the apostles taught. And I always tell people, stay with us for six months and you won't believe how much more you know. You may not like everything that you hear. You may, not, you may just say, he just called me an evil person. You may not like that, but at least you will be examining Jesus and be able to come up with a decision based on fact. Now, your decision doesn't make it true or false. Jesus is who he says he is. What he concludes is, I have found no fault in this man. Why does he conclude that? Because in Jesus Christ, there is no fault to be found. Even Herod agrees that nothing deserving of death has been done by him and that can be only be true of Jesus. Now, how can you say that? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Sin brought death into the world. We all die because we are sinners, but the gift of God is eternal life in. That little word in is so important. Eternal life in, that means heaven, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If the wages of sin is death and eternal life is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord, how is that possible? It's possible because he never sinned. It's possible because there is no fault in this man. It's possible because nothing deserving of death has been done by him. Now we come to verse 16. Notice how many times, you might want to underline it in your Bible, the word release is used. Pilate says, verse 16, I will therefore chastise him and release him, for it was necessary for him to release one of them at the feast. So there was a custom they had. They would release one prisoner every year at the Passover. So he says, I'll beat Jesus, and then I'll I'll let him be the guy that I release as the custom goes. Verse 18, and they all cried out at once, saying, away with this man and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. 
Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus again, called out to them, but they shouted, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Then he, Pilate, said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? Watch this. I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. Pilate is feeling the heat. I mean, the heat is on him. But they were insistent. I mean, he is in between a rock and a hard place. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. So Jesus will be murdered in place of a murderer. But he delivered Jesus to their will. He delivers Jesus to be beaten more and to be crucified on the cross. Punches Pilate, this is his thinking. It goes like this. I mean, if I, if, I, if I beat the guy silly and I torture him, that should be good enough for the religious leaders in the crowd. But they don't want that. They want death on a cross. Now, why would that be so important to them? Well, well they know that, that the Old Testament says that anyone who dies on a tree, and a cross is made of what? Of, of wood. Anyone who dies on a tree is cursed of God. And if Jesus dies on the cross, it will prove to everybody that he is cursed of God. And you know what, friend? That day, he was cursed of God, but not for his sin. He was cursed of God for your sin and for my sin. It's interesting, this whole scenario, the roles have reversed. Have you noticed that? It's now the religious leaders and the crowd is more like the judge. And Pontius Pilate has become more like Jesus' attorney. But the reality is, is that Jesus is the judge and the jury. And the verdict is guilty. The mass of humanity will send Jesus to the cross. The perfectly innocent will die in the place of the guilty. Jesus, the perfectly innocent, will die in my place. He will die in your place, my friend. The perfect will die for the imperfect. The sinless will die for the sinner. So graphically demonstrated to us in the person of Barabbas. The wicked, wicked Barabbas, the rebellious murderer will go free. And Jesus will die in his place. But friends, this is really a great victory. It says in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 27 and 28, that this was all the plan of God. The apostles are praying, and we see this all throughout the Old Testament. They're praying and they say, for truly against your holy, and to be holy is to be set apart. Jesus is the set apart one. 
the anointed. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. So what is he saying? The whole world killed him. The Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and the non-Jews. That's the whole world. The whole world killed him. And the whole world, verse 28, to do whatever, speaking to God, your hand and your purpose or your plan determined before to be done. This was all the plan of God. Jesus told us it would happen this way. Remember, he said, I'm going to go. Religious leaders, they're going to they're beat me. They're going to have me killed and I'll rise from the dead. And then later on, he said, the Romans, they're going to beat me. They're going to they're have me killed. And then I'm going to rise from the dead. How could Jesus say all of that so far ahead of time? Because he knew it was God's plan. If you're new to the Bible for your homework, read Isaiah chapter 53, written hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus lived, maybe 700 years, and read what it says. While Luke's point is Jesus' innocent, his innocence we are reminded of what the Apostle Peter said about Jesus, that he was a lamb without blemish, without spot, that he was a lamb without defect. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice that the Old Testament called for. Yet once again, we can't miss the reactions of the people. Here, it's, it, it's, it runs the gambit from from violent hostility to complete non-committal. You're like, where are the apostles? They are nowhere to be found. The religious leaders are violent hitmen, and the crowd gets sucked into their lies and their conspiracy theories. Herod, he just wants to be entertained. He's the guy who comes to church and goes, oh, the show better be good this week, or I'll go to another show at a different church next week. Pontius Pilate knows he's innocent, but he wonders, is he, is he a king? But he can't get that far. He can't take that next step to see if Jesus is the king. You know why? Because the pressure from the people is too much for him to believe that. And that describes a lot of people in our culture right now. The pressure from the culture of what people think about Christians. And, and, and when you really talk to a lot of people, they'll be like, well, I don't know too many Christians actually like that. But the pressure is so great that so many people are afraid to really examine Jesus. So many people are afraid to just ask questions just, just get in contact with us. Ask us questions. We love to answer questions about Jesus and about the scriptures. You see, the problem that Pilate has is the problem that I know, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that you probably have. I know it because for me, it was 33 years ago, but it was just like it was yesterday. You can't shake them. You're trying to. You can't shake them. However, if you listen to the crowd... Instead of your heart, if you listen to the crowd instead of your conscience, just like Pontius Pilate, you know there's no fault in Jesus. 
You know he is the king of kings. You know it. But if you listen to everybody else and not the spirit of God speaking to you, you know the spirit speaking and you know the, the, the voice of other people are speaking to you. But if you only listen to the other people, you will be able to shake Jesus. That's what Pilate does. And here's the reality all of us must really think about. If Jesus is lying about who he is, if he's lying, he is a very dangerous man. Very dangerous. C.S. Lewis said he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. But if Jesus is not lying, those who reject him are in great, great, eternal danger. Because they will die without having their sins forgiven. And the criteria for heaven is perfection. You have to have Jesus take your sins on the cross. And by when you trust him, he has to give you his righteousness. Pontius Pilate does not know this is not some bad thing that happened to a nice guy. Pontius Pilate does not know. Maybe you did not know this is the sovereign will of God. God is in control of the complete situation. What seems to be a miscarriage of justice is God perfectly carrying out justice against sin. This is how God can be both loving and judge sin. He's loving in providing Jesus but he's, he's a just judge in judging against sin. Here's the catch. Here's the offer. The benefit of what Jesus did on the cross, living a perfect life, dying on the cross, is only given to those who respond in faith by putting their trust in Jesus instead of themselves. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, the apostle Paul writes this. For when we were still without strength, some of your versions say when we were still weak, when we were still powerless, when we were helpless, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. God gave us his own son. I got two boys. I'm not giving them to die for you. I'm sorry. It's just, I'm sorry, I'm not. But God loved you so much, he gave his son to die. Verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we, all of us, the apostle includes himself, while we were still sinners. You didn't have to clean yourself up to come to God. Don't worry about that. Like we often say, you don't clean the fish till you catch the fish. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what happened on the cross. On the cross, Jesus, the perfect king, died for your sin and for mine. And all who put their trust in him will live because Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sins instead of you. Now you say, oh, no, 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 no. 
Pastor Jim, no, no, you don't know what I've done. Jesus is on the cross. They're killing him. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know they're killing me. They don't know they're killing God himself. If you are a follower of Jesus already, it is important for you to remember you, me, we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We owe Jesus our life because we have been rescued from death. We will never die. We will be absent from this body, the scripture tells us, and present with the Lord. We will close our eyes in death and wake up and we will be in the presence of the Lord. But if you have not been rescued from death, if you have not yet been rescued from the penalty of your sins, Jesus invites you right now to be rescued. Right now. I pray you will receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, and you will be rescued in this moment. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Changed by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Changed by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.